0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's get at this this issue of the Titan. And I was particularly interested in in an op-ed that I read in theconversation.com. And the headline was, Titanic Submersible Catastrophic Implosion. Questions Remain About the Costs and the Ethics of rescuing tourist expeditions. It's a question that is going to be uncomfortable for many, I would think, but it's one that really needs to be asked. And it was posed by Professor Ali Asghari. He's a professor of disaster and emergency management at York University in Toronto. Professor Asghari, thank you for coming on. How are you, sir? Thank you very much for having me. I'm very
1: good. Thank you very much. How about you?
0: I'm doing well. Appreciate you asking. So we have uh, we have this massive international search and rescue operation for five people aboard the Titan, and it does raise questions, as you point out, about risk management, search and rescue operation, costs, and the ethical aspects of responses. I want to speak with you about specifics, but in a general sense first, what are you suggesting with that statement? Uh,
1: that's very good uh, question, thank you for asking. Um, the, the the key point of this uh, conversation or uh, article is basically we should not create a risk, whether by private sector, by individual, by uh, government, that we are not ready or capable to handle it. In this case, uh, it was definitely the case from individual perspective from company perspective and to some extent from the government perspective or those who supposed to respond. However, I wanna highlight the fact that my point is not about this incident uh, or search and rescue in this particular case per se, meaning that uh, once there is a call for help uh, on the sea, there is a need, there, there has to be response to it Anyways, to save life, that is the high priority. My conversation is more about risk management prior to taking operations like this before we actually uh, go into these uh, activities. That Mm -hmm. was the key point. Okay. And people who engage in these risky uh, ventures
0: on the sea and on land should be aware what the potential is for search and rescue before they begin, no?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and that is that is the the uh, something that unfortunately not many people either are aware of. What are the potentials, or uh, those who are responsible for it, uh, especially those who operate uh, or provide these kind of services, may want to ignore it. Unfortunately, uh, in this particular case, this seems to be there has been a lot of failures in the whole process of uh, providing the service and in terms of risk assessment. Uh, many, uh, many warnings ignored, uh, many or assessment basically was not done to properly uh, based on limited, very limited information. And in particular, uh, as, as you said, There was no mention or attention to the larger consequences of any failure in the deep sea uh, ocean uh, exploration, which is really a difficult, uh, even with existing technologies, it is not an easy task for search and rescue operations, uh, never mind about, you know, individual and, you know, a vessel to tackle and handle that.
0: Yeah. Professor, Asgary, you also point out that shipping, fishing, and offshore oil and gas drilling are conducted in a marine environment regularly. And there's a large number of incidents happen annually with an average annual fatality rate of 15.6. And that's between 2011 and 2020. And uh, it suggests, as you say, that marine operations are relatively safe and emergency responses are effective. But in this case... It was a panic move where everyone came together or tried to come together, and I wonder how much media attention and public interest fueled this massive and hugely expensive search. Uh,
1: that is that is uh, the case, uh, and this is not uh, unusual because, in in my perspective, because you know this type of event is not happening very regularly. This was unique in, in many ways. So I think from media perspective, although I'm not talking as an expert in media, but someone, uh, looking at how media covered disaster and emergency situation, I see this is sort of rare event. Uh, how how many of these happens around the globe in a, in a regular basis, really not much. Although, Search and rescue operations, incidents at the sea uh, happens, as we uh, indicated, in Canada, outside Canada, internationally. They are of those normal kind of uh, uh, search and rescue operations involving, for example, a, a, a collapse of a ship or drowning of a ship or a smaller ship, larger ships, mm-hmm. uh, fire on, on board, etc. These are, or even maybe some human-based uh, uh, activities that require search and rescue operation. But th- this, this one was unique in many ways, particularly the fact that this was Uh, very very special case that definitely uh, impacted the the, uh, media attention impacted the the, uh, search and rescue operation and attention to that but also uh, because uh, in a sense when we did not have information about what has actually happened to be able to Effectively do a search and rescue operation, the area of uh, search is going to be huge, uh, both vertically and horizontally. And also the equipment that you need is going to be vast. Uh, also, not every equipment can can support this kind of operation. So uh, you see a lot of convergence in, in this uh, simply because each of those could provide maybe one form of assistance in this particular case. Not that they were repeating necessarily, all kind of, you know, the same thing. Okay, I have to take a break
0: in about 30 seconds, then we'll come back. But I want to ask you this, and you just touched on it. So this search and rescue effort required high-tech, and I'm not being heartless. I know the five lives that were at stake, we all identified with these people on board, the Titans. But the operation required high-tech equipment, tools, training, coordination, and a capacity to succeed in a massive area of the North Atlantic. Do you think there was ever really a chance of a successful search and rescue operation
1: had Titan not imploded? Um... Uh, Still difficult to say, but definitely this was not something that we did have all the equipments uh, and enough number of equipment and personnel to to handle that. Just considering all the scenarios that at the time uh, were proposed to the possible situation in terms of where the vessel is whether it is on the seafloor whether it is in the middle or it is on the on the surface uh, if it is on the surface uh, you you need certain equipments to be able to uh, track the surface uh, and these are all from uh, space and also from the sea uh, if there are, uh, these are on the uh, on the floor then not every you know coast guard has equipment to go to the surface of the uh, ocean and search of and course. so even with the with the lighting with all the elements, and complexity that is there is, is really difficult to, to, to have enough equipment. So I, would, I wouldn't say this would be an easy easy um, uh, search and rescue or maybe short-time search and rescue okay. anyways, uh, even if we had not really uh, uh, faced this catastrophic uh, implosion.
0: Professor Asgari, um, you wrote in part, this search operation was among the costliest in recent history and we don't know who will pay the bulk of expenses, insurance, OceanGate, that's the company that own Titan, or the public. So that leads to the question about balancing acceptable risks with available emergency response capacities. Um, are you saying that if, if the private and risky behaviors exceed available emergency response, and we touched on this a little earlier, but I'd like to go back to it, uh, including search and rescue, it's the risk takers who must accept that the cost of a rescue operation, and its likelihood of success will decide whether an operation is undertaken or is that too harsh?
1: Well, uh, this, is, uh, this is something that we uh, need to have in place in order to make sure that uh, this, uh, the all aspects of risk is included in the risk management process uh, before any incident happens. Uh, that that ensures that we have the capability to respond. Otherwise, uh, if we all entertain in activities or risky activities that uh, either we, we don't know if there is a possibility for search uh, and rescue and support in case of an accident happens, uh, or not, then we are putting ourselves in, in danger. And that is why society has created all kind of emergency response uh, system, because we know that there are certain activities, certain risks that even if we prepare ourselves, uh, try to mitigate them as much as possible, still there may be some incidents, but we... Knowing that, we are creating uh, this response mechanism that can uh, sufficiently provide that rescue and um, service that is needed. However, in these cases, and um, specif- I mean, specifically mentioned these cases, we are in a situation where risk assessment has not been done properly to include these uh aspects of, uh, you know, emergency response in case something like this happened. I would say and argue that had this been taken care of in the earliest stage of risk assessment or taken into account, we would uh, transfer the risk to the owner of the risk, in this case, the company Mm -hmm. or individuals who are taking these risky actions, instead of transferring this risk without any any initial payment for it by the by the individuals or, or the company for search and rescue operations anyways, because yeah. if uh, I give you an example um, of what we do, for example, in a typical city, if we we all pay, for example, for fire and search and rescue uh that is happening in the city. And because of that, we also are careful uh, about the fire in our property because it's going to cost all of us. So Mm -hmm. this element, search and rescue, and also support is already incorporated in this uh, system. But in in this particular case, it wasn't the case, unfortunately. let me
0: just, I just have two minutes. I want to raise this point with you. Clearly, OceanGate, the company of their own Titan, should have been aware, and how could they not have, that a critical emergency situation would exceed likely all capacity to rescue the crew or the passengers of Titan. In fact, marine experts raised very real concerns about the safety of Titan operating at such depths as far as back as 2018. So that should have factored into the discussion from the very beginning. this
1: That's essentially what you're saying, isn't it? Absolutely. And the point or the problem here is actually several issues. One is that... I think there was sort of uh, underestimation of the risk by the by the company uh, and, and the individuals behind the company, uh, despite the warnings. Because once you have this tendency of ignoring the risk and uh, underestimating the risk, uh, maybe because of the passion that you have about this uh, this activity, or basically based on um, you know uh, some some estimations that are not robust enough. That, that is one element. And of course, uh, the cost. I believe the cost of doing this kind of uh, or taking risk mitigation measure was in this case so much that uh, you basically have to stop. And that is what I think experts was okay. were suggesting that, you know, this is not safe. So uh, if you want to make it safe, basically you have to stop it yeah. because with the current technology, with what you are Investing and spending is not going to happen. It's not. There's no going to be a safe operation right. uh, to take Professor people uh, on board.
0: As Gary, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate
1: it. It's a very interesting
0: discussion, and it's a discussion that we all have to have. Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Time. Thank you very much, Ray. If you want
0: to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites.